This, is, this might be the most important sermon I've preached in the church plant thus far. Uh, I think we're in a really unique season as a church, and I, I say all that to say, not to like pump it up, but this morning's important. It really, really is. We're starting a new series. We're calling this series Behold, uh, and basically it's a series on praise and worship. We're going to spend the next three, maybe four, maybe five weeks, I'm not totally sure yet, but we're going to spend the next uh, handful of weeks talking on this idea of praise and worship, and frankly, it all stems from this, this word behold. Uh, now, if you've spent any time reading the Bible, you know that that word behold, it shows up all over the place. In fact, it, it, it's, it shows up more than a thousand times in the Bible, and oftentimes, whenever, you're, whenever you read through the Bible, like certain words will jump out. If a word shows up a lot, that means it's kind of important, okay? This word behold, and it shows up over a thousand times in the Bible. And what it means is it means to look, but not just to kind of glance. It means to look and to take notice of something. So, so to like pay attention to something. So uh, to become aware of, like essentially that's what it means, is to actually become aware of, to take notice of something. So we just watched the Mother's Day video, right? And I said, hey, check this out. I could have said, behold the screen of the Mother's Day video, okay? And as you direct your gaze to the screen to watch the Mother's Day video, that's this idea of beholding. You're taking notice of something. You're actually becoming aware of something. Um, in two weeks... Ebony and I are going to celebrate our 10-year wedding anniversary. Yes, we've been through a ton. God's been so kind to us and redeemed a bunch and been faithful to us. And uh, what's even crazier than 10 years is, I think in like a year and a half-ish, we will have been together longer than we have not been together. That means I'm getting old. Like, that's, that just, I, that, it's hard for my mind to even comprehend that, like, I've been with this woman. She's been with me for so long now. She knows the deepest parts of my heart. Um, I'm still discovering the depths of who she is. But thinking about our anniversary coming up and thinking about this, you know, how long we've been together, it kind of brought me back into some nostalgic kind of thinking of of how we met and and our first kind of real romantic date. Can I share this with you really quick? So I've shared this before. Some of you guys, many of you guys have heard this before, but um, I feel like it's appropriate for today. So our first real romantic date was at Knott's Berry Farm, okay? Super romantic, Knott's Berry Farm. Uh, Ebony, when she was in high school, this is like my senior year in high school, okay? She, was, she worked at In-N-Out Burger. You guys know In-N-Out? Anybody like, yeah, great. <clears throat> so she works at In-N-Out Burger, great company to work for. They take really good care of their employees. It really is a phenomenally run um, organization. And they would do this thing every year they called their, their company picnic. And you could think, all of the, all of the in and outs in Southern California, what they would do is they would rent out um, like places for them to, to go and celebrate. And so the, the, the year that she brought me, she actually brought me a couple years, but the first year on this date, they rented out all of Knott's Berry Farm just for their employees, okay? Fed us really well. They would do these things where they'd, they'd have this huge mound of like stuff, like, and cool stuff, like, uh, like TVs and, and just like a bunch of cool prizes, essentially, and they'd raffle them off. And you didn't have to like pay to enter the raffle. It was like you walk in, you get a ticket, and you just put, the, you put your name on the ticket, and you drop it in the thing. And they would just give away thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff. So it was a really cool event. Um, it, was a, it was a blast. And I wasn't really anticipating, like, me and Ebony enjoyed each other as friends. It wasn't, like, we, neither one of us was, like, pursuing anything. She, and she invites me 
um, on this company, to accompany her on this company picnic. And the reason she invited me was because her girlfriend that worked with her, usually they would take a friend and it would just kind of be like a girl's day. Her friend was like, hey, I'm taking a guy. You should take a guy. And I was like, I don't want to take a guy. This is lame. Like, why, you know? So long story short, she ends up asking me to go to this with her. And the day was awesome. I can still, like, vividly remember it. Like, we go on these rides and we're like, we're like, the, the park's open to just us. The food was great. They would have these little ice cream stations like ever so often scattered throughout the park where it was like you just walk up and they give you an ice cream. <laughs> it was fantastic. But something interesting started to happen that day, man. Like, we were kind of flirting a bit, you know? Like, it, something started to happen. And I remember throughout the day just becoming captivated by her. It was like the first time in my life, guys, that I saw her. Like, I really saw her. I saw her for who she truly was. I saw her beauty outside. I saw her beauty inside. Something really special happened that day for me. My life was changed forever because I saw Ebony. That's this idea of, of beholding something, truly seeing it for what it, what, it really, what it really, really is. And listen to me. When you behold God, when you see him clearly, when you become aware, when you really take notice, when you behold, it does something to you that is profound. That's what this series is about, Okay? So go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're going to start in Psalm 149. It's the second to last Psalm in your Bible. 149. Uh, I'm going to pray for us. I need it this morning. It's been a crazy week. Um, And I'm just so painfully aware that I can do nothing of any value on my own strength or power. So (laughs) I need the Holy Spirit. Um, While you're flipping there, I'm going to pray for us. Okay, will you pray with me? Um, Father... I can do nothing apart from you. Help me to abide. Help me to, um, help me to be secure in my identity right now. Help me to believe that all of my sins are forgiven because of Jesus. I'm clothed in his righteousness. Help my brothers and sisters in this room um, to truly believe the same thing so that our minds won't wander, so that our hearts won't drift, so that we can genuinely experience you so that we can behold you right now through your word. God, I need you. We need you. And you are so faithful to give us yourself. Be with us now, Holy Spirit. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to basically read us the last two Psalms in the Bible. 149 and 150. There are a handful of verses. It won't take us too long, but um, those of you guys that are more spiritual, you actually have paper. Well done. Uh, you're not gonna, it's just gonna be right there, okay? If you have an app, you're gonna have to push the button. You're gonna have to push the button to the next page. So here we go, 149. Let's go. It starts out this. Hallelujah. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the faithful. Let Israel, people of God, let people of God, let the Israelites, celebrate its maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing. And make music to him with tambourine and lyre. When was the last time you praised his name with dancing? Verse 4. 
For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. You need to know that he takes pleasure in you. Okay? The Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Not the prideful, not the ones who try to do it in their own strength, but the humble who realize they can't. Verse five, let the faithful celebrate in triumphal glory. Let them shout for joy on their beds. Let the, exalt, let the exaltation of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. Here comes the warfare imagery, okay? Verse seven, inflicting vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, binding their kings with chains and their dignitaries with iron shackles, carrying out the judgment decreed against them. This honor is for all his faithful people. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. Psalm 150 now. The very next Psalm, verse one. Hallelujah. Again, starts out a very similar way. Hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty expanse. Praise him for his powerful acts. Praise him for his abundant greatness. Praise him with trumpet blast. Praise him with harp and lyre. Those are stringed instruments. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. You drummers are stoked. Verse six, let everything that breathes praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, this morning I want to chat around two things. So if you're taking notes, write these down. The first is this. I want to talk about the effects of our praise. And I want to talk about the power of our praise. The effects of it and the power in it. Okay? So, the effects of our praise. Um, The Bible is not primarily a rule book. Okay? Um, It's not even primarily kind of like the... uh, uh, I've heard people talk about it as like the, uh, I guess kind of the rule book of life. It, it's not primarily that. There are commands and rules in the Bible, absolutely. But it's primarily about who God is and what God has done. Therefore, the Bible is primarily about Jesus. Jesus is the greatest example to us of what God is like and what God has done, okay? The Bible is primarily about Jesus. But it also has rules and it also has commands in it, okay? But here's what you need to know about the commands. The, all the commands in scripture, all of them, every single one is for the purpose of human flourishing. Okay, it is not to control you. It is not God holding out on you, trying to get you to earn something. Think about it. Do not steal. Really, really good for society, okay? I could go down the list. You don't, I don't, I'm not gonna waste my time. Every single command, guys, is for human flourishing. God's good and he's kind, Okay? Now, do you know what the most frequent command in the scriptures is? The one that you see the most numerically? Do not be afraid, absolutely. That's the, that's the, the, the single greatest volume of command. So like, uh, it's, it's the command you see the most often in scripture. Don't be afraid, fear not. Do not be afraid, do not be afraid. You know what number two is? Praise the Lord. It's the second Greatest command in the sense of how often it shows up in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting because in English, we have one word for praise. Guess what it is? Praise. Yes, it's praise. Well done. You guys are with me. So we have one word in English for praise. In Hebrew, they have seven. Okay? And they're different. So, If you're going to obey this command, the second most numerous command in the scriptures, if you're going to obey this command to praise the Lord, 
you better know what those seven words are. Because when you read praise the Lord in your Bible, your, your English translated Bible, it could be one of seven things. One of seven things. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to quickly, to save time, I'm going to quickly go through these seven. Okay, these, these have been transformative for me. I think they will help you. Okay? Here we go. The first Hebrew word for praise, one of the seven, is tehillah. And what it means is tehillah is a, is a hymn, a song of praise, and a spontaneous song. Kind of like a hybrid between those things. Okay? So the reason we sing songs, the reason sometimes you'll see the worship leaders kind of drift off into something that you maybe haven't heard before, we're growing in that, it's this idea of, it's, it's a real thing. It's not just to look cool or like freestyle. It's like a genuine expression of praise. Be tracking with me. That's Tehillah, a hymn, a song of praise, a spontaneous song. The second one, Yada. Yada means to revere or worship with extended hands or to hold out your hands. So some of you guys have been in church a long time and you're like, why are, why are some of these weird, creepy people putting their hands in the air? Like, are they trying to be overly spiritual? Are they trying to draw attention to themselves? They could be. God cares way more about your heart than he does about your hands at times. He, wants to know, he cares more about your motivation. He cares about what you do, but he cares way more about why you do it, okay? But yada, to revere worship with extended hands, to hold out the hands. The third Hebrew word for praise is halal. It's where we get the word hallelujah. We read it like a bunch of times just now in those first two songs, or 149 and 150. It's where we get the word hallelujah. Halal, it means this. It means to boast, to cheer, to celebrate. And what it, here's another thing about uh, halal. It invokes laying aside your inhibitions and killing your self-consciousness. It means not caring if you look foolish to others. <clears throat> so if you remember the story of David dancing in his underwear, basically, he was halaling. He didn't give a rip what people thought. He was just praising the Lord. He was, he was boasting and cheering and celebrating at a heart level and dancing. It was halal. He didn't, give it, he didn't care what people thought about him. The next one. Oh, wait, I, I need to talk about this. Hallelujah. You guys have heard this a, a thousand times in your life, whether you're a Christian or not. Hallelujah. What it literally means, the literal translation is praise Yahweh. Yahweh is the God of the Bible. It's the name of the God of the Bible, okay? So when people say hallelujah, sometimes they, they don't even realize what they're saying, Praise God. And specifically, to, to boast, to cheer, to celebrate, even if you look foolish. That's halal, hallelujah, okay? The fourth one, zamar, to make music, to celebrate in song and music. We're gonna talk about this a lot over the next several weeks, but like music is this incredible, beautiful gift from the Lord. I'm biased. I don't feel like there's any other artistic expression that really like can put words, like where words aren't enough. Like it can evoke emotion that just touches you at the deepest level. It puts an expression to the deepest parts of my soul. Music, zamar, to make music. You'll see oftentimes I'll have the band come up at the end and I'll ask them to play behind me. That's not to emotionally manipulate you. It's like, oh man, like he's trying to like use music as a, no, we want to have a well-rounded expression of praise. God tells us to do that. And it's this beautiful tool, honestly, to help us drown out the noise and the deception and the lies of the enemy so that we can focus our hearts on praise. You follow me with this? It's intentional. I want you to say that all this is intentional. And it, you can go through the motions, but that's dangerous. Uh, the fifth one, Torah. Torah is a sacrifice of praise. 
okay? Uh, Thanksgiving for things not yet received. That might mess with some of your theology. Thanksgiving for things not yet received. We don't, we can't twist God's arm to do anything. He's God, but there's a mystery here. He's sovereign. He's also father, and he loves his kids. Um, and when it talks about the sacrifice of praise, again, the gospel is opposed to earning. You need to know that. So you're not earning something from God, but it pleases a father when he sees a son or a daughter make a sacrifice in communicating his lo- their love and devotion to their daddy in heaven. You're tracking with me. Okay, that's Todah. The sixth, Barak. Barak means to kneel. Okay, if you see people in a worship gathering and they're kneeling, it's not just to draw attention to themselves. Although, I'm not going to question people's hearts. I just want you to see these commands to praise the Lord and what they mean. Okay? Uh, to kneel, to bless God is an act of adoration. It's almost like a salute at a heart level. Like, I am not worthy of you. You are, you are huge. Like, good Lord, you're amazing. <clears throat> uh, the last one, the seventh one, Shabbat. It means to shout to commend glory and triumph, to shout at him, shout praises, shout attributes that you love about him. How many of you like it when someone um, genuinely is moved by something they really enjoy about you, an attribute about you that they really enjoy? I dig that. Think about how much it pleases our heavenly father when we shout praises to him. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, seven Hebrew words for praise. Praise the Lord, the the second most common, not common, the second most uh, uh, numerous command in the scriptures. Let me ask you a question. Is God worthy of your praise? Like all of it. Is he worthy of your praise? And don't believe the lie that you don't praise things. You do. So do I. I praise the Dodgers when they hit game-winning home runs. I praise my kids. I praise my wife. Is God worthy of your praise? Put it another way, is he worth your praise? Is he worth you singing to him audibly? Like, not just "Eh, quiet, but like, is he worth you singing to him? Is he worth you lifting your hands to him? Is he worth you cheering and celebrating him and not giving a rip if you look foolish? Because your concern is not other people. Your concern is you want to offer him praise. Is he worth you making music for him? Is he worth you bringing a sacrifice of praise to him? Is he worth you kneeling before him? Is he worth you joyously shouting to him? Is he worthy of your praise? Hear me say this. No one can offer God your praise but you. Is he worthy of your praise, friends? Is he worth it to you? I'm convinced that this is a unique situation, this church plant, this valley. A lot of people that have um, grown up in the church and stuff. Many of you guys, Christians for a long time, okay? But maybe never praised God in some of the ways he commands you to. Um, How many of you guys are familiar with that book about the five love languages? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like swept through culture. It's crazy. Put your hands up. I want to know how much I need to get into this. 
Okay, many of you have heard about this. Okay, great. Um, five love, love languages. It's basically how people feel most loved, like their, their language of love that resonates with them, right? In the book, what it basically says um, is that each of us has the, these specific love languages that we actually experience love. I'm gonna, I'll read through them really quick. There are five of them, right? First one, words of affirmation. So people saying, using words to affirm you, things about you, right? The second one is gifts. Um, it's not so much wrapped up in materialism as much as it is like you thought about me. Like it was thoughtful. I was driving home and picked you a flower and handed it to you and oh, you thought of me. It's a gift, okay? So, so people feel most love in that regard. The third, acts of service. So you want someone to like serve you in a specific way. The fourth one, quality time. You don't care about gifts. You don't care about service. You just want them to be present with you. Like not just in the room, like, but not looking at your phone. You know, like actually quality, like quality time present. And the fifth one, physical touch. Okay, most of the husbands are nodding <clears throat> right now. You guys are not laughing. That's cool. Uh, so those are the five love languages. Now, here's the thing. I think there's more to love than this. I really do. Um, I think these can be helpful, but there's so much more to love than these five love languages. But I do appreciate something about this concept. And what I appreciate about this concept is that, is that it communicates the idea that love is more than a feeling. It's not less than a feeling, but it's, it's, it's so much more than a feeling because love is incomplete. Hear me say this. Love is incomplete without action. Love is incomplete without action. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And what is the second most frequent command in scripture? Praise the Lord. If you love me, you will obey my commands. Not um, if you obey my commands, I'll love you. That's not how it works. So we're not earning something. It's just stating a fact. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. If you love me, you'll praise the Lord. So think about these seven Hebrew words of praise. Think of them as like some of God's love languages. He's not twisting your arm to love him. You have a choice of whether you want to follow Jesus, submit to him, enjoy him, obey him. He's not, he doesn't want robots. He wants your heart, right? <clears throat> so think of these as, that, as like the God's, some of God's love languages, okay? They're tangible ways that we can act in love towards God. Praise is an, let me hear, just write this down. Praise is an opportunity to act in love towards God. Praise is an opportunity to act in love towards God. Uh, flip over to Psalm 34. Quickly, Psalm 34. I've been in the CSB all morning. I'm going to jump back into the ESV for this one. Sorry. I couldn't let it go. Psalm 34. Uh, If you don't have uh, your Bible, that's fine. We'll have the words on the screen for you. Psalm 34. I'm going to read the first three verses. Again, this is the ESV. It says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, this is key. Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Do you know what exalt means? Exalt literally means to praise. They're kind of interchangeable, okay? So let us praise his name together. Let us exalt his name together. Verse three, it tells us here that when we praise God, when the people of God collectively, when we praise him, that he's magnified. 
Um, you ever used like a magnifying glass? You know, you guys know what a magnifying glass is? Not to like kill ants, but like, <laughs> like magnifying glass. You know, you need to see something, right? It helps you see things up close. It provides some details, right? More detail. It helps you see something more accurately. That's what a magnifying glass is. Friends, hear me say this. When the people of God praise him, seven Hebrew words, when we praise him, he's magnified, okay? And we see him more clearly. Do you know what that means? It means when we praise God together, people encounter the living God. He's magnified, okay? They behold him. They can see him more clearly, And and the cool thing is it doesn't just affect the Christian. It affects anybody who's present. When the people of God praise him in the ways that he tells us to, he's magnified. He's he's, he's able to be seen more clearly for who he is. And it affects anybody who's present. It affects the outsider who doesn't know the love of God yet. It affects the weary Christian who's struggling to believe the truths of the gospel, that they are loved despite their poor performance, that God is with them, that he does care, that he's not absent, that his, his love is faithful. It affects the outsider, it affects the weary Christian, even affects the happy Christian, who's, who's just stoked. And here's the cool thing, the music doesn't even have to be good. The music can be terrible. We are blessed. Our church is tiny, and we have just gifted musicians. Thank you guys for serving us so faithfully and well. But the music doesn't even have to be good. I mean, guys, listen, that was my story, man. God, like, he grabbed a hold of my heart and it wasn't during a sermon. It was being, in the, it was being present. It was, it was during praise. It was during praise. And guys, in, in my specific case, the music was awful. It was hokey and weird and lame and out of time and that people couldn't sing in key and I was like, this is garbage and that's my pride and it's terrible you know but like but I heard the praises of the people of God the authentic praises I heard them lifting their voices to him and what happened God was magnified and I saw him more clearly and my life has never been the same he saved me he rescued me from being deceived about what he's like it wasn't a sermon for me it was the praises of God's people and he was magnified, and it was beautiful, and it was glorious. As an outsider, I encountered God through the praises of his people. Um, not even just as an outsider. Last January, um, a handful of us went, in January, a handful of us went to Minneapolis. Um, if you've ever been to Minneapolis in January, it's, it's beyond cold. Rory was there, a handful of us were there. It was freezing cold, right? It was so cold. It was, I think when we got out of the airport, it was negative three. It was so cold, okay? So we, we're, the, <laughs> we're the bright ones who goes to Minneapolis in January. We went for this conference. It was this big conference, but we got like, we were able to go for practically nothing. Um, and so we go to this conference and uh, we're in this big room, like massive, okay? Thousands of people think like, Christian conference. Um, they're trying to sell you a bunch of stuff, whatever, but there's a lot of people. And 
I have another one of those moments where I'm in there, it's the praise and worship portion. And it's just lame, musically. I'm like, I, I'm just not feeling this. This is just so, uh, I don't even know if I believe these people on stage. Like, my, I'm just, honestly, I'm just being prideful, straight up, sinfully prideful. And I feel like the spirit goes, just listen. Am I all right? And I heard the saints, man, I heard the people of God praising with their voices. And I just wept. I was overcome with his presence, overcome with his faithful love for a wretch like me who's judging what's happening in the room based on what the music sounds like and not based on what's being offered. Ugh, I, like, I'm ashamed to even tell you that. Please like, know that I need Jesus too. Like, ugh. But I'm overcome. Why? Because the praises of God's people magnified him. And I got to see him clearly for who he truly is. And I was caught up. I couldn't, I was just, I was just, not just overcome emotionally, but I was like, I'm just yours right now. I never sang louder. I'm like, and it's kind of, it was kind of like a, a theologically conservative crew too. So I'm like kind of dancing and swaying and stuff and people are looking at me. I'm like, I don't care. I want to praise him. He's worthy. It's this idea of it doesn't just affect the outsider. It doesn't just affect the weary Christian. It doesn't just affect the happy Christian. When God's magnified, it affects everybody through the praises of his people. And guys, listen, like this still happens to me. Okay, many times, even, even as a pastor, like I get weary. This week was hard. There's a lot going on in our church and it's hard for me not to, to feel like it's on my shoulders. Not that I'm God's, or I'm not, not that I'm anybody's savior. I just love people who are hurting and it's hard for me to separate those two things. So I get weary, even as pastor, right? I need to hear you praise him. I need to hear you praise him. I need to hear you sing to him. I need to have him magnified in my life. I need to be reminded of his infinite worth. I need to encounter him through the praises of his people. So do you. So do you. Guys, not only does our worship affect the outsider or the weary Christian, hear me say this, it affects our kids. God has blessed this church with 10,000 children. <laughs> So, yeah, I'll, I'll leave that alone. I'll keep filtered. Okay, filtered. <clears throat> uh, I read this study recently. It's called The Great Opportunity. It was really sobering for me. I'm gonna share this with you. I think it's important, okay? It's called The Great Opportunity. And basically it says that if the current trend continues, so if you think of like what's happening in the church right now is like a line graph, you know? If the current trend continues, if that line continues to look the same, in the next 30 years, listen to this, in the next 30 years, 42 million American children will leave the church. Just think about that for a second. Just think 42 million, how many people that is. How many unique little boys and girls made in the image of God, created for a purpose, to enjoy him and obey him forever. 42 million of those precious lives. That's just in America. 42 million Christian, American Christian children will leave the church. But if we return to the retention rates for children like we saw 20 years ago, so just 20 years ago, how many kids were staying in the church following Jesus? If we just return to those numbers, which wasn't great, return to those numbers, quote, 
more people will be saved than during both Great Awakenings, the African-American church growth after the Civil War, the Azusa revivals, and listen to this, every Billy Graham conversion combined. Friends, when our children, when they see how much God is worth to us, when they witness our praise to him, our devotion to him, our love for him, guess what? God is magnified. And when God is magnified, they will encounter him. Not things about him, not what culture says about him, not even what Christian culture says about him. They'll encounter him, the person, the spirit of God, the spirit of the living God, the spirit of Jesus, and who he really is, and all of his glory, all of his beauty, all of his kindness, all of his power, all of his grace and mercy that covers every single one of their sins and empowers them to live the life that God's called them to and created them for. Friends, our our praise matters. Um, Kind of my go-to, if I'm like feeling down, if I'm feeling, if I'm recognizing I'm not actually believing the gospel, like, yeah, I acknowledge it's true, but I'm not trusting in it. I'm starting to get depressed or I'm starting to get down. I'm starting to get worried or anxious or afraid. Kind of my run to is like, I grab my guitar and I just sing to him. I got to praise him. Like I need to praise him, even though I might not feel it, he's worthy of it. And then what happens is I praise him and something in me changes. It comes into alignment with his, my spirit comes into alignment with his spirit. And it's interesting because I have kids now, right? I have two daughters, seven and four. And I remember when they first started to kind of like, what's daddy doing? And they would come to kind of like, I have this office space in the house and I, like, I'll study in there. I'll just kind of like get away in there, you know, and, and I'll just praise him. And, and, and they would hear it and they would start to kind of like, kind of like sort of think they're hiding by the door, you know, like I can tell they're listening, but they're not in the room. And I can hear because the door is like going, like it's, they're there. And they're just listening. And do you know what happened over time? Over time, they started to kind of come inside the room. And then guess what happened? I'll show you. I think we have a video of this. Ebony captured this. She like she spied on us one time. See if you guys can play this. This is what happens over time. That still makes me want to cry. That's my role as their dad, literally that, is that they would live lives of praise to their creator, enjoying him and obeying him. My girls witnessed my praise and eventually they came to the door and came inside and it took a while before they started. I never commanded them to, I never like, you need to join me in this, we're gonna worship Jesus. (laughs) No, (laughs) that's not love, man. that, that, That isn't them giving their heart to Jesus. But over time, they witness my praise. You know what happens? God's magnified. And they encounter him and they see him. Friends, our kids, they need to witness our praise. Our kids need to witness our praise. The weary Christian needs to witness our praise. Friends, the world, they need to witness our praise. Our praise matters. 
Now listen, there's also a flip side to this, okay, that you need to be aware of. If our praise, if it magnifies God, if it helps us see him clearly, if it helps us really take notice and become aware of what he's really like, if our praise, if it magnifies God, if it zooms in on what he's really like, our sin, do you know what it does? It zooms us out. Every single time, okay? It has a negative effect on our ability to see him clearly. Um, recently, Ebony and I, uh, we, we sat with a, a pretty good friend and she was experiencing a ton of pain. She was hurting. She was suffering. She's experienced a lot of pain. Specifically, um, at, I know it's Mother's Day, but she was, she was experiencing a lot of pain associated with how her mom had treated her. And how her mom had treated her, it affected the way that she saw God, okay? She was just feeling tons of depression, a lot of anxiety. I mean, I could go into detail, just really struggling, okay? And Eb and I, we had the privilege of just listening to her. And we also had the privilege of telling her about the cross of Jesus. That the cross of Jesus, it shows us what God is really like. It magnifies God. Jesus' life and death, it, it magnifies God. It shows, us, it shows us what he's like. And guys, you know what happened? We just shared that with her. She sat on our couch and wept for over an hour. I'm not exaggerating. Tears, sobs, stopping, tears, sobs for an hour, man. And this woman, she'd been in church. She's been in and around church practically her whole life. She believed that Jesus was God. She believed that Jesus died for her sins. But she told us, she said, in that moment on my couch was the first time that she ever felt it. It was the first time that she saw God up close. It was the first time he was magnified. It was the first time that she was actually able to behold. And listen to me. You and I were just like that woman on my couch. We are just like her. We've all been really, really affected by sin. Our sin, the sins of other people against us, and sin, what it does is it affects how clearly, how accurately we see God. And I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the truth is all of us regularly need to have God magnified. We need to zoom in again because we forget or it's distorted because our sin cloudy, it muddies the water. Okay, it, 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 if we're, the lenses that we see the world through are distorted by our sin. How we see each other and the value, the intrinsic, eternal value that each other human being has gets affected, and how we see God gets affected. Whether we like it or not, sin is powerful, man. And listen, we need to see God regularly. We need to see him magnified so we can zoom in again because when God's magnified, we see him accurately. We see his holiness. We see his beauty. We see his faithful and unwavering love for us. We see the passion of our Savior to open his veins We see the loving heart of the Father. We see his grace. So, hear me say this. Our corporate praise is really important. It's really important because it testifies to the worth of God. How much he's worth to a, a collection of people. 
individually and collectively. Every single time we gather, we have an opportunity to literally declare the worth of God by the way we praise him. And listen, to be honest, outsiders should be a little freaked out by our devotion. Okay? Like sometimes, I'll just be real with you, I'll be in moments where I love my wife. And I'm in public and I just want to like, I want to squeeze her and kiss her. I love her. And she's like, don't do that. (laughs) And I'm not trying to be creepy. I just love her. PDA can freak people out. There should be some PDA going on in this room. I'm serious. Outsiders should be a little freaked out by our devotion because God is that glorious. He's that worthy of our praise. Like, at the very least, they should be intrigued. Like, are these people for real? Do they really mean this? Because this is... uh... Listen, if praise is missing from your life, the kind of praise that we read about here, the seven Hebrew words, if praise is missing from your life, it's because you either aren't beholding God or you aren't beholding yourself. Because hear me say this. If you see both clearly, if you behold yourself and you behold God, you can't help but praise. Because when you see him in all of his glory and all of his power and all of his majesty, how holy and perfect he is, and that we, his creation, rebel against him on the, on the regular every day, I'm gonna do things my way. No, you're not worthy of my praise. This is worthy of my praise. This is worthy of my devotion. This is worthy of my worship. Fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, however you live life your way, okay? If you actually see that about yourself and you recognize that that, that person is the one that Jesus died for, willingly, like he took the spiritual bullet for you, his enemy? Like if you see yourself clearly and you see God clearly, you will be blown away. You'll be wrapped up in praise. You're so worthy. I do not deserve your grace. I do not deserve your love, but you pour it out. You make it, av- you make it available to me every day. How gracious are you as a person? I'm not. When my wife is upset with me, I withhold and I withdraw in pride thinking somehow that I'm still not called to love her because she's walking in sin in the moment and vice versa. She's not the only sinner in the household because I just sinned in my response to her sin, which doesn't do any good. And I didn't just sin against her. I dishonored his girl who I made a covenant to love and serve for better or for worse. That means not dependent on her performance. So My greater sin isn't even against her. My greater sin is against him because he gave me a clear direction and I disobeyed it. And when I see that about myself clearly, when I behold myself and all of my ugliness and I behold him and all of his gracious and merciful love for me, do you know what that does in me? It makes me not care what any of you think and I want to sing to him and I want to dance in his presence and I want to love him because he's worthy of it. And the reason he's so worthy of it is because my sin is so great. If praise is missing from your life, it's because you either aren't beholding God for who he is or you aren't beholding yourself. So I have to ask you one more time. I'm almost done. How worthy is God of your praise? Maybe this question, this one might sting a little bit, but What does your praise say about God's worth to those around you? All right, my second point, I I promise I'm gonna try to go through these quick. The power of our praise. Um, 
I'm gonna skip some stuff. I love our church. This church is really special. Not everyone loves our church. There's a reality. There's a spiritual reality. Listen, Satan doesn't love you. He doesn't love us. Um, He wants to hurt you and destroy your life. He wants you not to behold God. And he wants you not to behold yourself. He wants to deceive both. He wants to deceive you about what God is like and he wants to deceive you about what you're like. You're not as bad as so-and-so. You're doing great. You're fine. You don't need grace. You don't need repentance. You don't need faith. You're good. Um, Satan is literally at war against you. He's literally at war against us as a community. Again, trying to deceive us, trying to keep us from beholding God and beholding um, ourselves. Uh, We already read some of the warfare imagery in in Psalm, was it, 149. There's a story. It's one of my favorites. I'm going to read it to you quickly. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, I'm going to set the stage for you. Um, To save time, just look at the, the screen here. This is basically the enemies of God's people they're about to invade God's people. Okay, I'm setting the stage. So God's people, they're about to be under attack by their enemies and the people of God, what they do is they cry out to God in prayer. God, help us, we need your help. And God speaks through the prophets and he says this. He basically says, don't be afraid. Okay, I know it looks bad. Don't be afraid. Tomorrow, go out against them. I will be with you. It's not your battle to fight, it's mine. Okay, Second uh, Chronicles chapter 20, starting in verse 20. I'm gonna read you three verses. In the morning, they, the people of God, got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Listen to this, verse 21. Then... He consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, essentially people of God praising him, not with weapons like a gun or a sword, but like their their songs of praise. So they got in front of the armed forces. They kept singing this, give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, who came to fight against Judah, that's the people of God, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. The people of God are at war with their enemies, and they go into battle singing praises. You know how laughable that would have been to their enemies? Guys, not only does our praise magnify God, but our praise is warfare against the enemy. My second point here, the power of our praise, it's warfare against the enemy. Listen, the enemy wants to deceive you. He wants to deceive us collectively. He wants us not to walk in faith. He wants us not to see God clearly. He wants us to believe lies about God, that God isn't trustworthy, that he's absent, that he doesn't care about you and what you're going through right now. This morning. Or that somehow that he's, he's annoyed with you. Lies. And when the people of God believe the lies of the enemy, we get anxious, we get depressed, we become afraid, we become worried, we get discontent. The next thing you know, we're apathetic about things, we start to feel numb, and then the worst thing, we start to become Isolated. And you guys study um, military history, the most 
kind of famous military strategy is what? Divide and conquer. And we believe the lie that the best thing for us is to be in isolation. And we're created literally for a community because we're made in God's image and he's a community of three people. Friends, praising and worshiping God together is a weapon. It's a powerful weapon and it magnifies God. It exposes the lies of the enemy. It disarms anxiety. You feel anxious? Praise him. You feel afraid? Praise him. You feel worried, depressed, apathetic? Praise him. Why? Because it's a weapon. I'll call the band up. I'll close with this. I'm going to take a drink of water. All right, we're doing okay. Um, I won't get into specifics for the sake of time, but many of you know, like our church right now, guys, God is doing incredible things. Like there's his kindness and his grace at work in our lives. There's like transformation happening in many of us. Um, It's beautiful. It's incredible. But there's also a lot on the flip side of that. Okay? Like serious health issues. Um marriages radically under attack, couples who haven't been intimate for a long time, not just physically, um, major financial stresses, like, and probably the most, the most dangerous people genuinely starting to drift toward isolation. And when I say isolation, I mean actually not being known. It's one thing to be in the room, it's another thing to actually, like, be known in the room. That's what I'm talking about. And it's been, I've been praying through this idea of like, okay, there's like significant attack on our church right now, spiritually. And I'm not trying to, if you guys don't have necessarily like a spiritual lens on things, I'm not trying to freak you out. It's just a reality. It's a reality for us. Um, like last week, we, it was awesome. We celebrated our one year anniversary. A bunch of people got up in front of all of you, shared the, the amazing stories of what God has done the last year. And that was just a, t- it was just a taste. There's more, we just didn't have time. They share these amazing stories, glorifying God, praising him for what he's done. And literally that night, by the, by the end of that night, like the vast majority of those, of those people, practically every single one of them experienced like significant spiritual oppression. Guys, God's doing something beautiful with us. And the enemy is attacking. And I believe, I believe that the reason I think this is such an important message for us right now is I believe that God's positioning us as a church in a very unique way right now. Like, it's important. Because when we talk about this idea of, of war... There's kind of three options. I Maybe four. You can be defeated. Uh, none of us in this room is like, yeah, let's do that. So I'm just going to get rid of that one for now. It's not even an option. There's three other options in my mind. You can flee. You can run away. Enemy's too powerful. Um, he is, he's, he's ravishing our life right now. Hear me say this too. Um, the attack is not the circumstance. Um, we live in a fallen world, right? Like things are not the way they're supposed to be. That was not God's choice. 
Okay, for, 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 for there to be love, he had to give us choice, and the choice that the human race made was to reject him and do things our way. And we could say, hey, that's Adam's and Eve's fault. Like, I do it every day. So I, cho- I woke up this morning, and I, I, I chose to sin. So, and I know you the same way. But for there to be love, there had to be choice. We chose to rebel. We chose to reject. That's why things are broken. So the, the attack is not the circumstance. The attack is not Jack's cancer. The attack is not a, a bunch of other things. The attack is not the circumstances of your life. What the attack is, is it's the deceptive lie that swings in that says, "Be in light of this, it's God's fault. In light, of, in light of this circumstance that isn't good, it's not the way things are supposed to be. It's because God doesn't love you. If he really loved you, he would. That's the attack. We have three choices. We can flee, we can play defense, or we can play some flipping offense. I, for one, I'm done fleeing in my life. I'm done with it. No good comes from it. And frankly, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm done playing defense, but I'm like, give me the ball. Let's roll. Because defense doesn't cause the enemy to flee. Do you know what causes the enemy to flee? Going on the offense, attacking him back in the midst of the lies that the enemy's throwing at you. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to praise him. I'm going to shove it in his face. Not only does God command it, but it's what's good for me. It's what I need, and it's actually what delivers me from the snare of the enemy. Do you see the power of your praise? Do you see the weapon that it is in your hand? Do you see the, the effects that it has on the world around us, including our kids? Will you stand with me? I want to pray for us. I'm just going to listen for a bit, okay? I'm going to listen for a bit and then I'll, I'll pray. I feel like our church, we're in like a, was like a fork in the road. We've come to a fork in the road. God's doing amazing things. We like each other. We're learning to love each other. Um, it's beautiful. But we're in this fork in the road. Will we be people who go through the motions? Will we be people who attend, attend events together, like each other, at best play defense against the lies of the enemy? Or will we be people that behold the God of our salvation and go on the offense with our praise, not just here on Sunday mornings, but certainly here on Sunday mornings? Will we be people who behold the glory of God, see him for who he is, behold ourselves and see, good Lord, we don't deserve your grace? Will we behold reality and respond with praise and watch the enemy flee because he realizes that his deceptions don't work with us? He's off limits and on these minds. We're not gonna believe those lies. We're going to be people who respond to the grace of God by receiving it and praising him because he's worthy. Father, I pray, help us see. Help us see the weapon that you've given us in praise for our joy and for the war that each one of us faces every single day. Help us see that there's power in our praise, man. There's power in our singing. There's power in lifting our hands. There's power in cheering and celebrating and not caring what what people think, that we look foolish or whatever. Help us see, God, there's power in our sacrifice and our making music and our kneeling and our shouting and all of it. 
that we don't have to do it going through the motions because it's what Christians do. We do it because we're beloved children who have weapons in our hands. God, make us a people who genuinely praise you for your glory and for our good. I love you, Jesus. Empower us, Holy Spirit. Amen.